see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. It is Spit. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you on this Thursday. It's April 1st, David. It's uh, April Fool's Day. And uh, we've had day one of uh, the Newcastle Pro. And I've been drinking my Athletic Greens religiously. I absolutely love my Athletic Greens. And it's time to be, I've been thinking already about where I'm going to go surfing this summer and that oh, means really? need essentials board shorts there you go so go to needessentials.com check out their board shorts because i've got three pairs and they go in every single surf trip i take i wear the walk shorts too that's my everyday short is the walk short they're made out of board short material but uh they've got pockets in them you know so you don't surf in them they're a little looser or baggier than the board short is but they are my go-to short. So it's not just wetsuits. Plus they're sort of like that stylistic um, cut. I think what's happened is, you know, for years and years, we had these short shorts, like tennis shorts. And then through popular culture and Michael Jordan and everything, shorts went really long, like below your knees. And you're like, what? These aren't even, and now we've like, we've, we've become practical, pragmatic. And the shorts are the perfect length. And Need Essentials is hip to that. No pun Agreed. Function and fashion. But so you're right. The long, the long board short, kind of a la 2000, maybe Andy Irons, it would wrap around your knee. And then you'd try to get up and bend your knee and it was couldn't flex. So that was yeah. not practical. But if you go farther back than that, like the original kind of Quicksilvers, those things were so short that they... Uh, that was making a fashion statement there was, as well. There was, there was no room for, uh, you know, uh, imagination, shall we say. <laughs> There's no room for, nothing left to the imagination. They were- well, even, even the OP, the OP cord shorts, which is probably, you weren't really around then, I don't think, but those OP pro, those OP cord shorts were left a lot of, there was a lot of airiness, you know, a lot of room for ventilation. So, but they were equally not functional because they're so short and tight that it's actually hard to get hip mobility, right? Yes. So, Need Essentials has cracked the code. They have. They're, yeah, they're not wave key approved. That's for those OP shorts. We're not wave <laughs> right. key approved. That's right. <laughs> um, you know what else you need for wave key? What? Knee pads. <laughs> speak for yourself dude <laughs> we all don't need knee pads you need knee pads Gerlach insists on knee pads and i'm like i'll be fine i'll just drag my knee i'm a i'm a big boy i can handle it and then afterwards i have knee full on uh not rug burns because i don't even have a rug but just skit burns on my knees from dragging them on the wood floors trying to get my knees into position that's what he wants oh. you to do is drag your knee up the surfboard. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I've it's actually all, been it's all so contradictory. It's weird. I've I've been I've been sort of motivated by your what you're doing with Brad. And so I've been doing, you know, these like pop-ups 
during my yoga thing, like I'll do my little stretches in my workout and then I'll do like pop-ups, you know? Yeah. And, and here's, what's fascinating. I'm just going to jump. I'm going to fast forward a little bit to my must-see moment, which is John, John Florence, nine waves at 300 frames per second. And when I watch this, it's obviously super duper slow-mo. And this is Brad. I'm sure if he hasn't seen it, he'll love this because this is wave key. Like, you know, if Brad was to have the perfect wave key sort of video to watch, this is it. And I hope you've seen it. Have you? Yeah. Don't you on agree? Like, red... I, yeah. On that red dark arts board. Yeah. It's just like you see every single movement where his body weight now switches, how he opens up his arms and closes another arm. And it's all relative. It's just fascinating. And it's, I mean, like I said, wouldn't you agree that that's like the perfect wave key video to watch? Totally. It's yeah. interesting how much your eye misses when things are in full motion. When it gets slowed down like that, there's so much to appreciate. There's so much that we had no idea John was had mastered, you know? I agree. Yeah, totally. What did you learn from it? Did you take away anything? Um, I, yeah, I did, you know, like I, I mean, what did I learn from it? I learned that John Florence is an incredibly technical surfer. And I think we knew that this sort of backed that up. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to apply it to what I do, but I'm going to try, you know, um, I've never thought about my surfing in um, super technical terms. I've always thought about it more as like sort of a flowing sort of hyperkinetic. Um, it just happens Zen kind of like, don't think about it. The more I think about it, the worse it gets type of thing. And that's probably a mistake on some level. And um, so, you know, I don't know if I've learned anything. Um, you know, I don't well, know if I can apply anything, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm not sure I can apply anything. It's interesting that, I don't know, through, I guess, yeah, Taylor Knox and Brad Gerlach and a couple of others, uh, you and I are assessing our own surfing in a way that we never had before. Because I agree with you. I went through 25 years of surfing life thinking that I don't want to think about it. I want to just flow and just uh, enjoy kind of the artistic aspect of it. And in fact, there's no level of coaching that will help me improve because it should be free form. It's more poetic, you know, and you shouldn't put boundaries and rules and a schema to it. And now that I am putting that schema to it, I am improving firstly. And then secondly, I'm enjoying it more, just analyzing it and then watching that John John footage I have um, a new level of appreciation that I didn't have before. I'm, I'm noticing new things. Yeah, and the other thing that, that maybe is a trick of the mind for me is watching John John is that I feel like I should be riding a, a three fin. I feel like I should be riding a thruster because I'm riding multi-fin, four-fin, yeah. two-fins right now. And, and I think that's a trick of the mind because I think I'm not good enough. Like I need boards that provide me with speed, you know, like what I hate is getting up on a board. And I guess it's because I surf such crappy waves, but if you watch Newcastle, you're like, that's the crappiest. Yeah. And those guys are kind of ripping on three fins and maybe it's because they're 25 years old and I'm 55 years old. And so maybe there's that. And I think that's part of it, but I was thinking yesterday and it's, it's kind of got my head wrapped around the new board is I think I want a little bit, like there's nothing wrong with having a wider board that will provide that speed, but also having sort of the power that 
a middle fin surfboard provides. This is the mental gymnastics you do to justify purchasing a new surfboard. <laughs> because it's not. You, it is it's because not. you have you have dozens of thrusters near you. You could just in your garage right now. You could just grab one. But in your head, you know you're designing Wait, a way to I, go buy. One. I actually don't. I actually don't. Most of my boards are four or two fins. The thrusters I have are like these step ups. Like I have a six six. And I have a six two that's got a round pin, you know, like I'm talking about like a wide tailed board that you could look at it and go, maybe that could be a four fin, but putting three fins on it. Okay. But so yeah, you, I don't you have don't that have board. A thruster. I have, you know, I have, I have two or three or four thrusters, but none of them are like a shitty wave thruster. I'm talking about, I need a shitty wave thruster. So what are you looking at getting? I don't know yet, but I know I, oh, okay. I, 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 know I thought you need, already had one picked out. No, I think it needs to be like a diamond tail and a little bit wider, you know, like wide, you know, and I don't know what that means in, in numbers, but, and um, a wide throughout, like a, a little fuller bodied trifin is all like a fuller body trifin. So I'm going to do something stupid and go like, look at Pizel's website and, and see, the thing is like, if, if, and I want a six, two, like I'm not getting anything under a six, two. We used to ride six twos when I was 18 years old. That was the go-to yeah. size. Yeah. So I want a little bit wider bodied thruster. And the problem is if you go to these sites and you just like look at the boards, everything that's six two is like two and three eighths. You're like, what, dude? I need two and five eighths. Like they don't make a stock. I don't know. Maybe right. they do. I, I got to go look. But so regarding watching John's footage, even if you have a takeaway from it, um, do you find that you are able to consistently apply it in the water or do you kind of forget it and just fall into bad habits when you get back in the water? No, no, I'm, I was super inspired by it. I, I am very much like yesterday. I had an incredible session, just super fun waves. It's going to be good later on here as the tide turns too. But, um, and I was thinking about it. I was on this board and I was going, okay, you know, I'm, and I'm th I was thinking about what you said, like, stay low to the board. Don't, don't push up so quickly. And, and, you know, I wasn't surfing very good until my second half of my session when, for whatever reason, I had loosened up and I wasn't cold anymore or whatever. But, but I think I'm thinking about it. And, and okay. there are many times when I'm thinking about it. I remember there was, um, we used to do these lessons in surfer magazine like how to surf better i forget what they were called or whatever and there was one particular one where um i think it was timmy um who's the um uh, guy from huntington beach timmy reyes. Uh, yeah timmy reyes and his he was doing a thing about cutbacks and he was basically talking about opening up this left shoulder and you'll see john john and i was watching john john and, he, and it's amazing he opens up everything kind of follows his back foot you know, and he comes up and then, and when you watch their arms move and everything relative to what their back leg and their, it's pretty fascinating. So anyway, the answer your question, yes, I'm engaged in it. And I think it's fun. And you're right. It does make it a little bit more fun because it, it gives you something to shoot for. Um, again, the wave key kind of thing is practicing at home so that when you or in the water, you can kind of not have to really overthink it. And that took me 
a couple of months to actually learn because I would go in the water and I would start, I would try to apply the principle so hard that I was actually um, not surfing waves as well as I would have two or three months prior, you know, like totally just hyper-focused on this kind of hip positioning in a bottom turn, which drives me up into lip. Then I'm cracking the lip and I forget that I need to turn down or, or tip, you know, my weight back or whatever. So I'm just like, I crack the lip and then go out the back. And I'm like, what was that? Like, I've been able to hit the lip for 20 years. How did I not make that adjustment in the moment? It's because I was focused so hard on the first lesson. Um, so it's kind of like you practice at home, yeah. practice all the forms at home, then hit the water and hopefully they just kick in. Hopefully you can just kind of forget, get out of your head and just let all the practice kind of take over. You know, something else that's lost here is the surfboard itself. Like if you have a shitty board or a board that's not allowing you to do the stuff that you've been practicing at home, that's just, you know, then, yeah, then you're kind of, well, I, you know, I know where I need to be and I know I want to go there and I'm doing the stuff that, but the board's not going there, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, that kind of brings me back to the, the thing about like sort of just a, a, a very, I don't know what the word is, but just a simple tri-fin is that you have a very um, neutral board from which yeah. to start this process. Like I ride some stuff that's kind of crazy and it's, you know, it's not necessarily neutral, you know, and I want to go back to something neutral, but that gives me the paddling ability that these boards that I'm riding now gives me and gives me the guaranteed speed just up and okay, I've got some speed immediately. I can't wank this thing up to speed. I need to find that board in a tri-fin. I almost hate that we're this deep into it because we've overcomplicated everything. I know. Like we really have. You, you and I both have so many different boards that it's like, well, if the waves are exactly like this, then I'll take this board. Wait, you know what? I'm going to bring two. I'm going to bring two to the beach just because if the tide drops or if the wind changes, then I want to ride this instead. Oh, but then I've got three sets of fins that I can then adjust. It, it's just way too much. And it's probably holding us back that For we're sure. jumping on different equipment all the time. Like For I need sure. to just fall in love with one board and that's my small wave board. And then I have one other board. That'll be my long board for when it's one foot, but I stay in the water and then that's kind of it. Can you I do what? that? Can I do that? I've been you searching know? for this board ever since the golden nugget. I did only ride one board for a long time. And it was beautiful. Wasn't it? Yes. It exactly. was. I, I'd ride it to, to that. Yeah. So, the other thing that drives me insane when I think about it is, and I'm not blaming you, you I'll use you. Uh, yeah, go ahead, you blame just, me. But no, I do this all the time too. You're talking about like, I want the tail to be this, you know? This. So you're going to buy that board. You're going to spend, let's say 600 or $700. Yeah. Ultimately, and then you're going to take it out in good, the wrong conditions occasionally. Ultimately, you're, I'm going to get like one good turn out of a board. <laughs> <laughs> like I will spend two or three sessions trying hard and like, but then I'll do one good turn and then yeah. I'll get on to something else and I'll go buy a different board or just start riding a different board or whatever. And then yeah. I'll look at a board in my closet and I'll go, man, I did that one good turn on that board, but really it was $700 just to do one turn. <laughs> like if you broke down how much each board costs per wave yeah. that I have in my quiver because I'm not riding all of them very often anymore because yeah. I get so many too. It's just like, it's, there are $50 per wave. It's crazy. 
Don't you agree with me though, that there is a sort of a neutral board that would be a three fin. That's a little bit wider. That's kind of got like more, in fact, Justin Turnus, who does dark arts has a model called the dad bod, which my friend Kyle Knox swears by. And I'm, and I, I he, they've been telling me for like two years, maybe longer. We've got one for you. We're building you one, you know? But then all of a sudden, Justin's like the, the shit right now. So he's so buried. He has no time for me and I don't blame him, but I, I want something like that. Like that's just fuller, neutral dad bod, a little wider in the tail. That's going to provide me with speed, but you know, like that board's out there and it's not that difficult. It's a very, I think it's a relatively simple board. Yeah. Um, so let's use, I've got a question that relates to that, but it'll segue into Newcastle. Um, what's your wave catching policy? I, I watch like John, John and Idolo yeah. entertained throughout both of their heats in a way that nobody else did yeah. and actually surfed better than anybody else throughout the heats. And I find, I find myself sitting out the back waiting for set waves and not having fun ultimately. Yeah. And then, and then too much pressure once I get those waves and I know that mentally, and then I still do it tomorrow again. I cannot yeah. break myself of the habit. What's your policy? Yeah, my policy is to keep moving no matter what. And I will go and surf. In fact, like when I surf swamis, I very rarely go to the outside and sit outside with everybody because it's like, okay, maybe I'll get one wave every 20 minutes. First of all, my back needs to, I need to stay moving or I freeze up and I cinch up and I just, I'm, like, I'm just the worst, I'm worthless. So I like to keep moving constantly i'd rather just surf lesser waves and just stay in a flow where i'm and, and it allows me to surf for an hour and be satiated get my cardio going get my exercise have ridden lots of waves so i'm always looking for that that peak down the beach where there's nobody so i can get in a rhythm and do a do a thing you know like get it so it's a lot of waves in a short amount of time is my policy good for you that is the right policy i think for everybody yeah I would use that as a blanket policy. It is. And then my other policy, my new policy that I think I told you is to surf with dignity, which encompasses a lot. Yeah. I mean, you did tell me that it's been months since you mentioned it. Um, a couple of people have emailed about it, actually. I think trying to adopt it as their own policy because they liked it. But what does it mean? Define it. Well, first it means, you know, I get on, on sort of the top level at the risk of sounding cliche, it means to surf with Aloha. Like, don't be a dick basically, you know, like don't be that guy that everyone goes, Oh, you know? Yeah. Secondly, it means um, when you're actually on the wave, I would rather go straight and hold my hands properly than try to, geek out into some maneuver where there was no power and no ability for me to even do that turn anyway, you know? So it's like air on the side of Rob Machado rather than, you know, Alex Ribeiro. <laughs> you, know you know what I'm saying? Kick him in so, while he's down, dude. Well, I'm just saying like, I'm not, I'm not out to score points, you know, surf with yeah. dignity, better to, to look in control and, um, I'd rather do like a Hawaiian flyaway kick out than, than some lame whatever. So yeah. basically it just means be nice, look good. So part one is 
about interacting with other people in the water and part two is maintaining your cool for yourself yeah, i don't know if cool that's yeah. a little bit like vanity or something that's, but it's true. More, that's true it's more about it's more about respect what the wave's giving you got it that sums it up i like it it's a good policy um yeah. opening day for event number two of the world championship tour yeah um newcastle it opened up it was interesting right um initially <laughs> initially um i was definitely into the broadcast i was caught up in first day you know i clicked on it i think i got into like the third heat um mostly i wanted to kind of see what the waves were like i wanted to see what merryweather was all about um i wanted to get a flavor for what the wave offers and then I got bored pretty quickly, you know. Um, sadly, the waves were feeble. It was like the shittiest high tide bells that you would never even think about paddling out at. Um, I did find my interest was in, my interest was in Kaya. I was like, I want to watch Kaya. I'm, tell me about, you got to fill me in on Kaya, right? So that's what, this is what's fascinating is that my interest was all about Kaya basically because I bought into the GoFundMe page. I sent some money. I'm a stakeholder in Kaya. Yeah. And so I was into Kaya. That was my storylines for me were Kaya, were Jordy, and were Julian Wilson. And then storylines that evolved through the day for me were uh, Crosby Colapinto. Totally. Were Julian Wilson, who I've already mentioned, and this Baxter kid. I think if I was in charge of what we want to talk about the ne during the next day's broadcast, it focuses on this Baxter local kid. I forget his first name. Jackson. Jackson Baxter, Crosby Colapinto. Maybe you even turn that into both of the brothers. You do a little story on both of the brothers. That, and Julian Wilson, because he didn't have a, a, a big finish at pipe. And he's, you know, he's one of those guys. He's, Jordy and Julian are those guys where it's like, are you going to ever get a world title or not? And so that's why Jordy and Julian both I think are of interest to me and they should be of interest to telling that story and, and yeah. And Kaya. And those are the guys for me right now, <laughs> in, interest wise, because the waves do not guide me here. And as you know, this, the waves are the story, the waves are the stars. And when there's no waves, you better give me something to be interested about. No, oh, by the way, those stories are going to keep my interest for maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, lots to unpack there. I'll start with project Abeli. Um, which I am just the steward of. I did not create Project Abelli, but Kyle Abelli ripped a Oakley sticker off his surfboard um, on, and he posted it on Instagram. So he was sponsored by Oakley, I want to say for 16 years. He had, a, he had a long run with them. And no shame to Oakley, by the way. I think Oakley has been great for surfing. Um, I, I mean, they've just been a part of my surf existence my entire life, and I've always been a fan. And they still support a bunch of athletes, and now they're obviously supporting the tour. They just announced a partnership with the WSL for the rest of the season. Um, but Kayo made a public statement about them basically not renewing his contract. And it's just video of him ripping the sticker off his board. So I asked Chaz about that on the grit, like, hey, uh, is it cool or is it not cool? I mean, in what I understand that you're upset, somebody would be upset about their contract not getting renewed. But at the same time, this was your employer for a very long time. And presumably you both had a fruitful relationship. It's just, 
undignified, Scott. I think yes. to uh, sling mud at your, you know, yeah. former yeah. employer. Yeah. Anyway, it's a bad look. Anyway, anyway, that same week there was also a news story about um, a bunch of redditors taking down Wall Street by pumping up the game stock stock, right? So a listener chimed in and he goes, you know, this is kind of a perfect confluence. These two stories, like we should pump up Kayo stock, you know, just as kind of an FU to the sponsors who maybe want to step up to the plate. And I, he didn't even say an FU. And I actually don't feel like it's an FU. I feel like those sponsors were fantastic and that that model was fantastic of brand sponsoring athletes for a long time but it's not anymore. It's not equitable for either party anymore, right? Like, I don't know what uh, Oakley was paying Kayo, but is Kayo selling enough board shorts and sunglasses to justify that spend? And the answer is probably no. And, um, and it's a lot of money for him to ask for, for what he, so anyways, the, the listener said, we should just crowdfund the surfers that we like. We should design a model that um, he was saying that we should do it like cryptocurrency or NFTs, where yeah. you create some sort of a um, like an actual a token. Exactly, thank you. A token. Maybe it's um, a video clip of Kyle Abelli. Maybe it's um, an, a piece of art that's Kyle Abelli's face or whatever. Well, hold on. So just so you know, what you do is you buy, you create tokens, then you and I buy the tokens. We, or we acquire those tokens through actions, through nudging that takes place. Then we use those tokens to buy those clips. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of the background of it. And, but the forward facing thing is just like, well, that'll take time to build out that business model of whatever that looks like. Yeah. And it's complicated. So, but what I think we should do just because we have this momentum is let's just crowdfund Kyle Abelli. Let's yeah. get a sticker on his board, you know? And um, so we've got a couple of logo submissions coming in. I asked listeners just to send in logo submissions. So those are still coming in. We're thinking about a fist and each finger is like one of the letters of I-B-E-L-L-I because it's the people taking back surfing, you know? So that's the idea behind Ka Project Abelli. And the reason why Kayo is so perfect isn't just because he ripped that sticker off his board. It's he is a world-class talent who has never quite gotten the support from I, I think the industry a little bit, but also just kind of from the fanfare, he hasn't quite been acknowledged in the same way that uh, his fellow countrymen have, have because they've kind of stolen the limelight. Gabriel exactly. Medina, yeah. Idolo Ferreira, Felipe Toledo, yeah. but quietly Kayo has been a giant killer. He's yeah. taken down John John in events multiple times. Gabriel, he's had these tangles with Gabriel that are pretty famous. Yeah. Um, the one at Pipeline being the most famous. He's taken down Kelly at big events, yeah. you know, in pivotal heats when Kelly needs it. And as, when as, a, as a wild card. Yeah. Like some of these events. Margaret last year as a wild yeah. card, I think. Yeah. So you look, Kayo is kind of the perfect, and he's so affable and likable yes. and yes. great. So, and his style's sick. He's great in the yeah. barrel. He's great in the air. So Kayo perfectly represents the people. He, yes. he is the people's champ. And so we're like, what's the, what is preventing Kyle from getting his due and his, even a world title? You know, what if it's just support from the people? What if we crowdfunded this thing, 
got a sticker on his board. He's uh, buoyed up by all of it. What if Kyle won the world title in 2021? It could happen. This is the year that it could happen. And if we all could take ownership in that, it would be be insane. insane. It would be the greatest story that, by the way, no other news media is talking about for some reason. Like this is the story. Did they talk about it on the on the broadcast yesterday? Because I, I had it turned down. I didn't I heard hear talking anything. about Kai. I heard they talked about Kai for a long time because you had to talk about something. There was no surfing going on. <laughs> but yeah, what a story. I mean, that's a story that would transcend the surf media. If that took off, this would be like, you know, CNN type stuff. Like they would go, this is the story. It. Yeah, this is fascinating. So you've sort of drummed up um, some stoke here. So you might tell the listeners right now, if they don't know about this already, where they can go, if they're interested in being a part of this project. And I'm a part of it. I've, I've given some money and I know that you're, you're putting in a lot of uh, your own sweat equity. So Gabriel Medina made a donation. Did he? I mean, somebody who identified themselves as Gabriel Medina, I don't Uh. know if it was actually him, (laughs) but it says Gabriel Medina. You, you, and I know you got a lot on your plate, but it'd be good to provide updates. And maybe you are. I just I haven't I haven't seen any. So like you kind of got to keep everyone, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a GoFundMe set up. Go to Project Abelli on Instagram. It's mm-hmm. at Project Abelli. And you can track everything there and link to the GoFundMe from there. We set the number at $15,000 yeah. to offer up to him with a sticker and be like, take it and put it on your board. And ultimately, the, we wanted to do it by Newcastle. Uh, we only have, I think we're at seventy or $6,700, $6,800. And wow. so we're going to roll it over into the next event. We're going to roll it from event to event until we come up with the money, um, the $1,500, ultimately. 15000 15, yeah. $15,000, $15,000. Wow, we got to get there. Let's go, people. I mean, look, if just, you know, you got, you got five bucks, come on, Venmo some dough, you know? Every, dude, everybody well more than a thousand people listen to this podcast if everybody just chipped in 15 15 we'd get there right now you know yeah so and 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 know that you know i've put in way more than that just to go hey i'm doing this you know like let's totally. do this you know what i mean yeah yeah so um but so Kyle, yes. you're basically so to backtrack a little bit i had you listen to that prof g podcast i hope you listen to it the one yeah. on nfts yeah i always listen and the, the big takeaway is this concept of the internet of value. And what that basically means is this model that you've created, how it would really work is that Kyo's people would create tokens and you would go to Kyo's Instagram page and you would do stuff like you, like if you make 10 positive comments or just 10 comments about Kyo's last heat, you get a token. And if everybody makes positive comments, Kyo becomes this thing and everybody's got these tokens. And then you can use these tokens to um, do, you know, they can do different, you can do different things with them. You can buy non-fungible tokens of Kyo's, whatever they are, digital assets. And this is where there's value on the internet. It's everything that you create, David. And by the way, I know you're looking into this. Every one of us that creates digital content, non-analog content, has the potential to tokenize that content and tokenize surf splendor, tokenize boardroom, tokenize the grit, tokenize Kyle Belly, tokenize. So when you think about somebody like Jamie O'Brien or Mason Ho, their people 
need to be thinking about they what they have is incredible they have a community once you have a community you can start to create nudge behavior tokens that that are that are um you know that don't the guy made a great point he's like you don't want to incentivize perverse action you want to incentivize action that makes sense for everyone and and that's kind of getting deep into the weeds here but the idea the takeaway today is understand that the there's a new thing that's way beyond cryptocurrency and way beyond um, sort of internet 1.0 and it's the internet of value. And that's where we're at now. And it's already taking place. And I would urge everyone to listen to that Prop G podcast to find out what's going on there. Well, it is already taking place. And if you look at even with sponsor contracts, um, surfer sponsor contracts, they build in things like your Instagram following and your YouTube channel and how many subscribers and likes. And when we sell advertising on the podcast, we're using a lot of those metrics as well, but the the that relationship is it's, it's they're man, trying it's to a call, broker, and we want to get rid of the broker. Exactly, and also it doesn't really work anyways because you're constantly behind the trends. The trends are happening, and then a month later you're compiling statistics, but the trends are moving in new directions. And so, this what you're talking about the token scenario is a uh, redesigning it entirely to quantify exactly what's already happening. So we can look instantly on Instagram or YouTube or whatever and see, take a tone of the temperature today or a temperature of the tone today and see what's hot, what's hip, what's current, what and who's getting the most likes, who said what that's now shifting the culture. And so being able to quantify that in real time is really what this does. Yeah, it, it takes away, um, like I said, it's taking away the middleman. So in this- Well, that's, um, that is the other thing, is it's power to the people. Right, well. right. So, yeah. so Kyo now controls his thing. He doesn't have to worry about Rip Curl controlling his thing or whoever it is, right? right. And in the sense of professional surfing, they are creating a digital asset, right? These competitions. Yeah. Now- and then we're buying it we're, as consumers of what they produce. We're like, oh, yeah, I love this. Well, guess what? We can love this without the WSL. Like you can literally, the WSL is a middleman to us loving pro surfing. Right. We can get, get rid of the middleman and just create a situation where we send those two guys off to surf can for four days, put a heat, you know, well, we have look, our if, own event. If we, in this new world order, Kyle Belly could be the highest paid surfer on tour. Based, yes. on our, based on our support of him. And he can then decide, the people want me to go to Kandui with uh, and surf against Jack Robinson. And Jack Robinson is funded well enough to where they go, yeah, let's go do that together. And then if the tide changes, I, I don't mean that literally, if, our, um, if he loses our favor and we start backing somebody else, then he might have to pivot and change direction. And so, but it's a very real exchange going back and forth. Like you said, without the middleman, nobody's telling us what we should watch or what we should like. Yeah, you know, what's the greatest, um, has the most potential here is Florence. John Florence, he's got Florence Marine X, right? So he has his own brand. Those guys right now should be figuring out a way to tokenize that brand because he's got tons of internet followers. We would all you know, push a like on this picture and get, and get a token. And yeah. before you know it, um, 
those tokens are of value. And then, oh, by the way, what happens is people start to sell their tokens. Once you own yeah. a token, you can sell it for, you know, US dollars. Yeah. So and, imagine that. So imagine you buy Kayo at the beginning of all of this for nothing. And he wins a world title by the end of the year. In theory, the token would go up tremendously in value, you know? And, and by the way, that incident where Gabriel Medina burned him at pipe, you know, because he had enough in his score last year to advance through the heat. Uh, that's a scenario where Gabriel won the heat. Gabriel, you know, is ranked number one in the world, I think at the time. Kyo's stock could have skyrocketed just because the optics were so bad there. The internet hated Gabriel Medina in that moment. So the world champ who's the highest paid could actually go down in value and Kyo's stock could soar even though Kyo lost the heat. So there's a lot of really cool things like that, that I think um, the market yeah. reacts to in real time that there's current no, currently no version of. There's incredible business opportunities here. And, and again, the, the final takeaway on this sort of deep dive on that is that we all are going to be in control of our communities and we're going to be able to take what Instagram's not going to have the power that it once had. Exactly. It's going to be about us. But anyway, hopefully uh, the smart well, people at Florence Marine X, and I'm speaking to Pat O'Connell, are going to start looking into this. And I'm sure that, that John's agent, those people are hip to all of this right now. Like this is happening. Um, so GoFundMe, Project Abelli yeah. on Instagram, you can link to it. Please hook... Like this is just proof of concept. This is yeah, it's like one. an analog version of it, really. Totally, and let's do it. And Kayo, it, it's just such a great story that we want to see come to fruition, and it will come to fruition. But uh, be a part. Tell of me it. about, tell me about uh, Jackson Baxter. So he's a local kid. He got the wild card into the event. I want to say he's seventeen or eighteen years old. And um, who did he take down in his heat? Jack Robinson. He surfed against Jack Robinson. And there was yeah. some other big name. Well, he got second. Baxter got second. And so... Oh, yeah. Idolo. Idolo won that heat. Idolo won, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, surf's great. I mean, the, it's hard to get excited about the event. Look, I guess I don't want to always throw shade on the WSL. And I say lots of good things about the WSL as well. And it's always... I want to remind listeners, I guess, is that it's always through the lens of we know it could be this. We know there's a version of a dream tour that is 10 surfers surfing the best waves in the world, having knockout matches. And as viewers, that's what we want. And so, yes. That's actually yes, what we demand. It, and so yesterday, yes, I'm grateful that I had something to watch rather than nothing, but those aren't our only two options there's a version like I just explained here of a world tour. And we want the decisions being made at the WSL to all be pointing towards getting the best surfers in the world. We don't need 32 of them in the best waves period. Yesterday's event was further proof that they are not running things through the filter that I just explained. Uh, well, look, here's the thing. I think everyone agrees that we want to get to here. Not everybody does agree. That's not okay. the decisions that the WSL has been making. I disagree with you because think about it. Think about it. We need to get to here. Do you start here? When you need to get to here, do you start right here? No. You, especially in this COVID time, you got to start here. 
Well, we're decisions what about, being what made about pre-COVID. If you, what about if you start here? Why okay, do they buy a wave pool company? Why do they? Knows? Why do they do WSL events? That might be it's a, not. That might no, be it's a, not. Sub, it's not to get to the dream tour. Well, we we don't know, but let me just say this: if we want to get to here, right, regardless of where here is, let's just the top, whatever it is, right, and we're in COVID, we're not going to be able to start right here. But if we were to start right here and there were to be some hiccups in the situation, we would be saying to ourselves, well, why didn't we sort of slowly ramp up to get to here knowing that we were in COVID? So this is just, to me, this is a pass. You gotta give them a pass here. I agree with you. Look, you and I are, I'm, you know, we've been on the same page on this for eight years or whatever. But I think it's important that you get on the freeway, you get on the on-ramp and you start to slowly merge into traffic. and you know, this is what we're dealt. This is the hand that we've been dealt. And yeah. so you got to take now, like, what if it's in five days? What if it's eight foot and they're towing in, they're doing step offs on skis. And why did we have 32 surfers and have to run in crappy waves at the beginning of it? The optics okay. are not good. And yeah. by the way, if, if you optics then lose, good. if you then lose Jack Robinson, that's Julie, the big one, Julian Wilson, Jordy Smith, in these early rounds when the waves are knee high and then you have, you know, whoever is surfing in the good waves and they're, by the way, aren't qualified really to surf in the good waves. You need Jack Robinson in the good waves to have great performances. Then the whole thing falls apart. And that's, these are the decisions that we've seen being made over and over and over again. So I agree with, I, I know we should just be grateful. Hey, it's time of COVID make accommodation. But I'm saying there's been a matrix of decisions made, even pre-COVID, that even put us in this position where these are the options that we're choosing. Yeah. And by the way, there were so many opportunities yeah. for to do radical things in COVID, yeah. and everybody just sat on their hands. Yeah. So I agree with you. There yesterday, was... yesterday was not a good reflection. It yeah. only it only shows it's only proof of everything that we just, or that we've been concerned about essentially. Yeah, it, it's a bit, it was a bit of a lipstick on a pig situation. Um, I was still glad to have competition back. I mean, so despite all of that or what the long-term kind of implications are, I was grateful to have competition well, back look, and it was I terrible competition. What you're saying is if they would have made different decisions, we could be watching six guys somewhere in the mentalized during a competition at Can Dewey left yes. and be going, Oh my God, this is insane. These guys did it right. And you've yes. been kind of arguing about this U UFC kind of model where like, go get a desert Island and have the best guys and people are going to be stoked. And that's where I think your frustration is, is that they never took advantage. They've had 18 months. Yeah. You tell me you can't get four guys in perfect Can Dewey left. Crazy. What's the and, problem here? And, and kind of to your point that you've been talking about for a decade why are there still 32 surfers on tour? Because we could still run this event at Merriweather this week, but just wait for the one swell window that'll take, you know, we yeah. only need one day to run the event in that scenario where there's 10 surfers. Yeah. And so a swell window that lasts three days, we pick the eyes out of it and we get to watch those guys surfing overhead barreling waves. Why do we have to sit through multiple days of so much resource, by the way, that the WSL is, is using 
so that you, and then we have to watch guys surf knee high waves and watch our favorite surfers. By the way, the best surfers in the world lose because the ocean's flat. Yeah, I see the variables. I saw guys surfing yesterday and I was going, that guy, I don't care if I ever see that guy surf again. I don't, he, and his name could, I mean, you could just interchange his name with 10 other dudes that I saw yesterday. And I'm like, that's not who I came to see. And the guy I came to see is in jeopardy of not being on tour next year. Exactly. And I mentioned because that to Joe Trappell. I, I, I mentioned the whole Jack Robinson thing to Joe Trappell. And he's like, don't worry, don't worry. You're, 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 you've got fear of missing out. You're making up, you know, you're making up situations that haven't even occurred. Don't worry about Jack Robinson. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And I hope he's right. But this is the situation where if, if things don't go good. And even if he has a great, like he can win Western Oz, both events. Yeah. We, we assume if there's 10 foot surf or whatever. Yeah. But if he goes down in two events on, in New South Wales and is languishing, and now there's like a ton of press, I already, I already feel like there's pressure on him to do well at in Western Oz that he probably doesn't need. Yeah. Like everyone's just kind of going, Oh, he'll win both events. I bow down to yeah. you, Jack Robbo. Yeah. You know, like that's not necessarily good for him. Well, and then if he has two shitty events, now he's got tons of pressure on him. Exactly. I and mean, do you see Jack Robinson in the top five of lowers after two events at New South Wales and then going to Lamore? Definitely not with Lamore on the, and this the, is why uh, Jordy schedule. is a big story in my mind, too. Right. Yeah, their employer has let them down, I would say. Jordy and Julian in this respect. Um, so Meriwether has phenomenal potential. So that's the other thing is we've looked at this Australian leg for the last couple of months. You and I have been poo-pooing the waves and equating them to QS quality waves. And, you know, it's not going to be good. And then I've gotten a bunch of listener feedback, people who live in those parts of the world saying, man, it gets really good. Here's photographs of it on its day. And I go, yeah, everywhere has a good day. <laughs> so, but that's, and hopefully we run on the good day, but we have 32 surfers and we're not gonna just run on one day. So this is what ultimately this day one proved our concerns correct. Um, they're choosing, uh, I. We, Andy Stark, who pulled these events together in Australia for the WSL, I feel like he was looking at potential locations through a QS lens. And the QS lens is we need somewhere that's surfable 300 days a year. We need somewhere that's consistently surfable and has good days and hopefully we'll get the good days, but we just need somewhere that we can rely on will actually run. We can't have it go completely flat and well, not run an event. That last and, sentence is correct, but it's not through the, the QS lens of what the waves are like. There are political issues that Andrew Stark, by the way, I think the guy deserves a ton of credit for pulling together four events in Australia, but he's also going, look, who will have us during these COVID times? You know, and Lennox won it. The city of Newcastle went, we're yeah. blue collar. Why not show up? We don't give a shit. Totally. You know, I mean, they didn't say it like that. I'm sure that there's tons of great protocols that they're all going through, but it's more than just, is it surfable 300 days a year? It's like, which mayor, which city council is going to let us show up here? Yeah. And again, the wave has tremendous potential. So hopefully, yeah, later in the swell window. By the way, Surfline Forecast said that it was going to be five to six feet on day one. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. 
the day before the WSL was all pumping it out like five to seven, I think they said five to seven or eight foot sets or something like coming. It's going to be epic. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I logged on yesterday and it was the crappiest Huntington I've ever seen. Well, speaking of that, so I, I interviewed PT and he was, he's been um, rallying to get the U.S. Open turned into a CT this year to get just the 32 and the 17 to Huntington Beach instead of 350 people from all over the world showing up for a Q, Challenger QS event. Let's just minimize it, get just these and make that a CT. And his argument, and then he was getting pushback from pe- people in power at the WSL like, we're never holding an event, a CT at Huntington Beach. It's the worst wave. And he's like, dude, you're holding it at Newcastle and Narrabeen. Yeah. It's going to be crap. I mean, there might yeah. be one or two days, just like right. Huntington Beach might have one or two days. But anyway, yeah. just to back it's up what you're saying. It's a far cry from the dream tour. Yeah. Well, again, you, we have to put the COVID umbrella over it and just go, look, we're not doing a dream tour in 2021. So that, I think what you're trying to say is, in this day, right now, today, the first day of April, we could have a much better competition, competitive situation and scenario than we're having. We could have eight guys somewhere that's firing and perfect, and we'd all be like, cool, we get it. It's yeah. COVID. I'm just glad you're doing this great thing. 2022, we'll have something different. But look, that means they're missing two years of crowning a world champion. What is their number one priority as a business? Their number one uh, offering is that they crown world champions. They have to crown a world champion. I mentioned uh, on my boardroom podcast that just missing the year 2020 is going to throw a lot of confusion into the historical timeline context. You know, like, is this the 45th year of global... a global surfing tour or is it the 46th year or, you know, like right. losing 2020 anyway, two I years agree. in a row, it's tough, tough to lose you're, two years in a row. You're right. There's a asterisk. This is a debatable, of course, but there could be an asterisk on this world title anyways, you know, because multiple events, uh, I, don't think I, be an, I don't think there'll be an asterisk, but I mean, there could we'll be. See, we'll see how the year shakes out. Well, here, and and the fact that it all is... ends in a different way than it's ever ended before. The finals day event already makes it an asterisk world title. But I don't think they're ever going to do this again, by the way. This finals day event, the more kind of momentum we have headed towards it, and the more I start thinking about how it all shakes out, it doesn't make any sense at all. I told you, it's lame. You I know, to... it's the worst idea. It's... Super Bowl needs to be at the Super Bowl, man. You can't have the Super Bowl at a high school stadium. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. But, and here's another thing I'll just mention, because you used the word debate, and I thought, oh, they do that debate show on the WSL. Did you see any of the promos for getting heated? They basically have Mick and Salema Masakela in the most, like... Not heated? Not heated moment where they're like, yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) <laughs> they should their highlights should have been two guys going fuck you no fuck you you know what i mean like that's what those shows are about skip bayless and shannon sharp getting at each other's throat you can't run a promo where they're both going he's got great style and it's like what i'm not watching that show You're like let me see some blows i know did i tell you my backstory with that yeah oh okay you were i have so much the... i want to say about it i just don't want to uh. be rude 
Okay. It's um, never stopped you before. By the no, way, you, you want good pod? Be, go ahead and be rude. No, I don't want right. to. Um, right. Good. Smart man. So, so the two highlights of yesterday's event to me, I already yeah. stated, John John Florence and Idolo really stood head and shoulders above even Gabriel Medina and Felipe Toledo, who are right there, kind of, I'd say, in the lower tier, right below them. But John, there's so much expectation um, with Idolo being the current world champ. John John kind of feeling like, well, he's in first position. So I guess that's why there's a lot of momentum behind him. But anticipation for these two guys to hit the water, they did not disappoint. From wave one for each of them, they just lit it up and they never stopped catching waves. And each wave was a variation from the previous, like just lots of diverse, just surfing free, fluidly and better than everybody else. And A, entertaining and B, higher level surfing than everybody else. So yeah. I'm a huge fan of those guys. And I think that could be the new rivalry. John John and Idolo, toe to toe. Gabriel, I don't know. He's got to figure something out to if he wants to stay in the mix. But right now he's not in it. Well, I think we can have three <clears throat> and even four. <clears throat> When you think about tennis, men's tennis, you often were thinking about the big four, you know, Federer, Nadal, um, the, who's the Czech guy? The, um, I love that guy too. He's my favorite guy. I can't think. You know, do you know, do you follow tennis? I don't, but there needs to be, I want to hear this fervor about pickleball with you. <laughs> Who are the top pickleballers? Dude, the world champion pickleballers, the world champions live in Encinitas and play pickleball and own the pickleball, uh, courts courts where i play do they maintain a day job as well well they own pickleball courts <laughs> they're pickle, is that pickleball know, connoisseurs is that an adequate entrepreneur to maintain a yes and yes wow good for them do yourself a favor go to youtube google 2021 pickleball world championships and you'll watch okay. the final event and those two guys are right here in encinitas amazing Yes. Quite the claim to fame. How did we get down the pickleball rabbit hole? I do not know. <laughs> multiple, multiple world title contenders. Yeah. So anyway, I think they're well rivalries. I think there can be four. Like and 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 they all like in tennis, they all intermix. You know, like Federer's playing Nadal, and then right, um, Djokovic is the guy. Djokovic is playing. Um, there's one other guy. Anyway, my point is, is that it's great that we have Gabe. He will always be the dark you know, the black hat wearing guy to Idolo's and to John John's, right? To me, the sort of the sad story, this is the first time I've ever felt sorry for Jordy Smith because I thought Jordy Smith surfed great yesterday. Like if you just yeah. watched it without this lens of, oh, he's got to do this and do that or he's not leveling up to the level of these other guys, Jordy just friggin' ripped. He's got yeah. such a good style and he absolutely just ripped it and he was loose and flowing and you know, I think he got last in his heat. He's lost. He's lost in these sh crappy waves. Same as same as with Julian, you know. And Julian just released an edit from Newcastle, like a free surf edit of him surfing all around there. And it's next level. It's so good. He's such a phenomenal surfer. But the venues completely let them down. It's completely neutralized their ability well, the, and their this, ability they are the best surfers in the world if you put them in the best waves in the world these upcoming elimination rounds are actually very very interesting because we've got such shortened season and we've got guys like jordy 
who has to make it out of this heat. Yeah. I mean, I would suggest to you that his world title campaign is based on what happens today or tomorrow. Yeah. That's two seven, scary. Two 17s out of, out of six events? That is scary. Events? Yeah. Well, uh, we've already gone long. Um, there's probably more that we can unpack, but look, there's more event to come as well. So yeah. we will yeah. we will get into it yeah. next show. Um, I finished Andy Irons and the Radicals. I know last week you had already finished it, but I finally got through it. Um, the Kelly Slater interview is epic. I know. I loved hearing from Kelly. I think you could have just, I think there's a, there could have been a documentary which just, was just called Kelly on Andy. Yeah. And just get into a deep dive with Kelly on Andy. Cause well, look, I think cause Kelly did, revolves a lot about, he, he always does this. He's very open about who he is. He's got a lot of humility. He's not afraid to say, you know what? I, I screwed up here. Yeah. And I'm not saying he said that, but he has that ability. He's, he's um, self-aware and, and comfortable with himself enough to be able to um, throw shade on himself in a very sincere way. And it's, it's really, that's why he's intriguing as much as a surfing. I agree. I um, found him to be a lot more insightful than I, and like you said, kind of candid than I expected for, uh, out of the interview. I don't, I don't think though that it would have been a better documentary if it was just Kelly on Andy. I think having the context that they created. No, I'm saying there all, could be a separate, a separate, yeah, there could like, be. you know, like a 10 minute thing. That's just Kelly yeah. on Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, fully enjoy that series. Anybody who hasn't seen it, it's well worth the time commitment. I mean, that last episode was 45 minutes alone, which I think the whole documentary runtime has to be nearing two hours between the four parts. But um, I enjoyed each part. You know, the fact that they kind of made them weekly episodes, uh, I watched all of them and I was engaged through each of them. And the surfing footage is phenomenal. So go check that. It's on Stab Premium. Yeah, the cool thing about the the surfing footage is much of it we had seen or if we hadn't seen it what really gave it power was the context that the talking heads gave the surfing footage you know like yeah. Corey talking about their relationship at that log cabins house and how it how it sort of evolved and what they were doing at log cabins and then cutting to the clips of them surfing those those loss you know around those fishes at log cabins pretty cool stuff by the when way, I, first, I, want, I want one of those roundhouse fishes. <laughs> I, I learned 15 years ago that I cannot do what those guys do. But 15 years ago, or whenever that was, 20 years ago maybe, I, um, I saw that footage, that video, 5.5 five by 19 and a quarter, and they were going places on waves that I had never seen people go before. And just doing things on them that like, oh, wow, mind blown. Like, this is so creative they're drawing way outside the lines. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'll get a board that looks like that. And then I'll start to do radical surfing like that. <laughs> Not a chance. That board didn't do crap for me. It actually probably hindered my, I should have just got like a nine foot. A, a neutral <laughs> three fin is what you should have got. Neutral wide bodied three fin, like a dad bod model from just. I should have focused on just going straight down the line and looking good with dignity. That's what I should have focused on. Just exactly your hands, your hands exactly but oh, yeah go them. go ahead and get a five five scott 
No, I would not. I actually have one in my quiver. I have one of those boards. It's super small. I can't ride that thing. I need a 6'2 version of it. Yeah. Anyway, too many boards. Well, uh, should we cut to commercial? Yeah. Back to the show. Scott, welcome back from commercial. Feels good to be back. Look at you pounding your athletic greens. Good man. Delicious. Delicious. Sounds delicious. I actually heard it going through your esophagus down into your stomach cavity. Whoa, and my brain is firing. All synapses are firing right now. <laughs> I sense that your hair stood up a little bit. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah. Uh, anyways, do you have, I've got to kind of get going pretty quick here. Yeah. We've fulfilled our allotted one hour. Um, Let me say this. Yes. California Gold Surf Auction. The California Gold Surf Auction, the bidding begins tomorrow, Friday, April 2nd at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then the lots are open for bidding for two weeks. The bidding closes Friday, April 16th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And there are 51 lots, incredibly historic and culturally significant surfboards from shapers such as Reno Abalera, Jerry Lopez, Dick Brewer, um, Barry Kanaya Puni, Phil Edwards. Oh God, the list goes on and on. George Greeno, we've got so many cool boards. Mickey Munoz, Roger Hines. There's just a bunch of incredible surfboards. Um, I've been getting feedback. People are saying it's the greatest compilation of uh, boards that we've had so far during the California Gold Surf Auction. So some really great wood, some really great guns and some stuff that's beyond that too. Pipos, knee boards, we got everything. I would also argue that those things are only going to skyrocket in value. We're talking about non-fungible tokens. These things are definitely non-fungible, but they're physical. And kind of a lot of these shapers are not going to be around in the near future. And these are relics ultimately, you know? And so being able to participate in the auction now, I think, um, you'd have quite the asset on your hands in the future. Absolutely a super high value asset class. And if there's one thing we're learning as they print dollars out uh, every day, all day, is that hard assets like this um, are gonna hold value. So yeah, it's a solid asset class. And we're gonna rebuild the entire culture based on our NFT model. And uh, these things are gonna not, I mean, these things are just gonna increase in value because of that. All these new people in this new world order, these are things of the old world order that- I don't like this new world remember order. Remember when? New world order has this, this like connotation of some sort of conspiracy or of like the Vanderbilt somehow running things or something. It's the exact opposite. It's the exact okay. opposite. It's a okay. better world order that is run by people drinking athletic greens. And right. <laughs> they're always happy and healthy. <laughs> They're always happy, healthy, and they get to put their money into things that they want to support and see the benefit of. I like better world order. I even like more better world order. Fine. SW, which is smarter world order. Smarter world order. That's hard to how say. About, how about DWO? Okay. David world order? <laughs> Dignified <laughs> world order. <laughs> that works. Dignified world order. I like it. So, there's a lot of surf videos that dropped in the last couple of weeks. The one that I'm going to direct everybody's attention to is with Emi DeVault. Did you see this one? No, isn't he the guy that does stuff with Torn Martin? 
No, Emai oh. is a kid from Maui, I believe. Yeah. Emai, Emai Kalani DeVault is his name. He's a regular flitter, super stylish. He just dropped an edit. I'll direct everybody to that. I'll post on Instagram too. Uh, the kid is incredible. There's just so many incredible talents now. I feel like um, the talent bar of the average surfer is higher now than it's ever been before. And so a lot of this becomes white noise. There's so much content on the internet. Everybody's so good at surfing. It's all just white noise. This stood out to me as being phenomenal. Um, so I'll post that. My Duke, I'm going to offer a shout out to the Moniz family. Um, on March 17th, their family home near Velzyland burned to the ground. Oh my God. And so we've, there's a GoFundMe set up for them to help them rebuild their home. I'll read from Kalia Moniz is uh, one of the Moniz daughters. Yeah. Tammy and Tony are the parents who raised the five kids in this home. But uh, one of those kids is Kalia and she wrote, I suppose this is as real as it gets. And you can definitely say that life was put into perspective last night. My parents' house, my childhood home went up in flames. Very crazy how quickly things can change. Today we remember a full house or remember a house full of love and so many memories. Thanking God we have my mom and dad here with us still. Everything lost can be replaced, but I am forever grateful. She went on to say, my great-grandfather built this house many years ago by himself. Deep family history, but still so thankful for the land that was not lost and we can continue my great-grandfather's legacy. My parents are some of the most generous people I know. My entire life, I've watched them give their time, their love, their home, the little money that they had away to others to make sure everyone else was taken care of. This house was small, but they raised five kids and they took in multiple foster kids most of our childhood, opened doors to people who needed a roof over their head, always put food on the table, uh, and I could go on and on. So that was from their daughter, Kalia. They have a GoFundMe set up. I'll link to that as well. You can find it if you search help Tammy and Tony Moniz rebuild their home. Okay, cool. Well, that sounds like a worthy cause, so good stuff. And their other two sons, uh, Josh and Seth Moniz, also just released an edit. Um, I think it's called Two by Four. It's on YouTube. Again, phenomenal surfing. Yeah. Well, Seth Moniz looked pretty good yesterday. I don't know if he got through. I think he got second, but um, I think he might have been in Jordy's seat. But anyway, um, through yeah. no through no fault of his own, I will say. Right. I, I blame. Fair enough. <laughs> I blame the employer. <laughs> blame, just throwing blame around left and right. Um, speaking of that, did you see? So you and I have been doing. We're I don't know. We're like a couple of episodes ago. I was like, David, who's your top five? Give me your top five right now. And then I did my top five, and we determined who's going to be at lowers. And then I asked Joe Trapel this, and I asked PT this, and now I see on the WSL, and it's not a reach that somebody could come up with this on their own, but I see that Rosie and Kaipo are doing their top five. So it's an obvious, it's an interesting question because what the question presents is that after you analyze it, we already know who the top four are gonna be, and there only seems to be one person left over. Now we may all be completely wrong. Morgan Sibillic could be in the top five for all we know. And I actually have him on my fantasy surfer team, the WSL stuff. But well, 
my point is, if we all agree that we know who the top four are going to be, and in fact, it is those top four, why are we going through this whole charade? <laughs> I mean, if we're just picking one guy to fill out the last five, let's right. just have the four show up at lowers and let's get to the who's going to be the one guy out of these six events that moves through. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to the rest of the event. Um, and this is the year, by the way, that that top five could get totally shaken up. I mean, it, we're all basing our guesses off of previous years where we knew the waves on tour and all that sort of stuff. This is the year where every event's kind of a wild card and it could be. Uh, By the way, I'm hearing Slater might just drop in at Narrabeen. Yeah, I know. Me, I heard that too. Without a quarantine, maybe. No. Somehow. He'd have to quarantine. He'd have to quarantine. But he could. (laughs) He could still. There's there's enough time in the schedule that if he feels – healed and up to it he can get there do the quarantine and show up i mean imagine a situation where guys that are in the top five after pipe do really not so well here in newcastle and it's basically a throwaway for them and kelly's like well i gotta throw away too because i didn't show up so it's equal footing again well imagine if kelly would had to surf yesterday i mean that doesn't bode well for him those conditions don't and secondly He's way too dignified to surf out there. You know what I mean? I you feel know what? Like he I'm too dignified. Me too. I would not have I, surfed that day. I would have gone, nah, I'm going to go play pickleball. That would have been the baller <laughs> move. If Kelly was there and he looked at the conditions and said, no, thanks. I'll take a bye. You know? <laughs> I'll take a bye. You mean he'll take a, an L. <laughs> oh, I'm going to sit this one out. I will not lower myself to go out there and wiggle. Right. Would have been baller if he just said, you know what? Pickleball sounds better. Well, the baller <laughs> move was he goes, Hawaii sounds better. Right. Okay. Well, look, I think that's all we have for today, right? It's a busy day ahead of us. So yep. Busy Full Thursday. show. Uh, until next time, by the way, do yourself a favor. Go listen to the boardroom podcast with Peter Town, and It's pretty interesting. There's some good, good stuff there. And listen at 1.5 speed and you can get through the show quickly. Uh, Until next time, David, adios and aloha. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on report from 29 District. The revolution will not be televised. 
There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lights of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.